Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. We are in the middle of a series called Social Solution. And I have to be very careful how I say that. Apologize in advance to the front row because, yeah, usually we hand out umbrellas for that. So that's the actual title of the series, Social Solutions. But in reality, we're just walking through an Old Testament book, the book of Nehemiah. And so if you're new to Hillspring today, maybe this is your first or second Sunday, and you're like, oh, that was pretty good. I want to I catch up. You can do that. We have a podcast that goes out weekly that you can go to any podcast platform. You can follow the Hillspring Church podcast. You can go to our YouTube page. You can go to our website. There's a message archive on there. If you want to kind of catch up to where we are, because we're going to land in Nehemiah chapter 4 today. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Otherwise, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. Nehemiah is a guy that is broken for his hometown of Jerusalem. Now, he probably had never lived in Jerusalem, but it was kind of the capital of where he's from. He's now serving the king of Persia. And Persia was the world superpower. A guy by the name of Artaxerxes was in power. And Nehemiah was a trusted servant to this Persian king. He was actually the cupbearer. And he uses that influence. He uses that position to do good. The king will allow him to go to back to his homeland, go back to Jerusalem to rebuild those city walls. He gives him everything he needs access to, all the supplies, all the money, all the finances. And in 1943, a psychologist by the name of Abraham Maslow wrote a paper that describes what motivates humans. You ever took high school psychology or maybe college psychology? You probably looked at and studied this principle. It's a base of human psychology. And it's become known as Maslow's hierarchy of needs. At the base level of humanity's needs, I need food, I need water to drink to stay hydrated, I need warmth, and I need rest. I gotta eat, breathe, sleep, stay warm. It's base survival 101. We actually have reality shows that, that kind of stress them on these areas, and then your mind just plays all kinds of funky tricks with you. And you, you, maybe you've seen some of those survival, and, and they're just taking them back to these base survival things. The children of Israel that are living in Jerusalem in 430 B.C., they had food, they had water, they had warmth, and they had rest. But that's it. As you could see on Maslow's pyramid of human needs, they just had the first level. They're in basic survival mode. Maslow's next level of human needs was security and safety. In an ancient city, if you were going to have security and safety, you needed some kind of defensive system. Maybe you needed to build your city in a place where it was easy to defend. A lot of places that built out on the flat plains, there's built walls. If I have a wall, I can minimize the enemy raiding parties from just coming into our village and taking what they want. If I have a wall, I'll sleep a little bit better at night. If I have a wall... I kind of have this better sense of security. Once I can eat, drink, sleep, stay warm. And now if I have a place to be safe, I can move past the basic surviving and I can begin to thrive. In 430 BC, Jerusalem was doing anything but thriving. Matter of fact, when Nehemiah gets word of how things are in Jerusalem, when his brother comes to see him in chapter 1, he says, it's not good. There's no thriving going on in Jerusalem. It's actually a devastated state. There was no sense of security. 
So Nehemiah sets out on this mission to rebuild the wall, to, to reach that second level of security and safety so people can begin to thrive. He didn't know who Maslow was. That would come years. He didn't know anything about the human hierarchy of needs or the study of psychology, but he knew Jerusalem would not flourish again until the people who lived there could rest and sleep in secure and safety. So his mission was to rebuild the wall. And that's what the book of Nehemiah is about. It's a rebuilding. As we kind of come out of this COVID season, we're kind of in this re-engaging and rebuilding. And as you read Nehemiah chapter 2 and Nehemiah chapter 3, you kind of get the sense that there's this excitement that is building. Last weekend, Pastor Matt, he, he showed us how the people walk arm in arm and hand in hand and how they worked together. Throughout Nehemiah chapter 3, you see this phrase, and next to them. There was this group of people that were rebuilding the wall, and next to them. And there was this group of people that were rebuilding the wall, and next to them. It's just a beautiful image of us working hand in hand and side by side. I love that chapter. I love that picture. But anytime there is success... There will be skeptics. So in Nehemiah chapter 4, he runs head on into a toxic culture and he needs some social solutions. What I'm about to tell you is going to shock you, so you need to just sit down for this, right? We live in a culture that at times feels toxic. Everybody has an opinion. For example, today if I were to put this picture up on social media, oh, cute little family, they got a dog, right? And you would get some hearts on Instagram and, oh, how cute or whatever. But somewhere, someone would say, well, what about social distancing? Right? <laughs> or someone would say, why aren't they wearing masks? The internet, social media, I mean, there's so much information out there. Like, I can keep up with people. I can connect with people. And so there is some good there. But it's also created a platform that anyone can have an opinion on everything. Nehemiah is going to deal with criticism. And today, in 2020, in our time, so are you and I. We're going to deal with critics. And just plain and simple, let me kind of spoil the ending for you. Nehemiah chapter 4, he's going to teach us two lessons. There's two lessons in this for you and I. Pretty simple. Don't be a critic. And how can I deal with criticism? So I'm at a couple of groups on, on Facebook. And um, those groups revolve around PA announcing at sports events and, and calling play-by-play -play and kind of a hobby of mine. I love high school sports and love to do some of that. Like, I, I do that now, now, now. Stepping to bat, bat, bat. Number 23, three, three, you know. I, I get all of that, right? So I'm in this group for us PA announcer, announcer, announcers, right? And so I just asked what I thought was a pretty simple question. I prefaced it with high school softball question, right? Harmless question. So what do you, how do you guys announce? And the situation that I would just, I wanted to hear some other input on how guys announce this or whatever. So when there's a wild pitch and it gets away from the catcher and a runner steals from first to second or second to third, I just ask the question in this group, how, how do you guys address that or how do you announce that? Um, three guys in the group just ripped me. One guy said, I'm an amateur, which he's right. I am. I'm a, I'm a rookie here. One guy said, you're in the wrong group. This is just for PA announcers. I'm like, okay, boomer, right? And then one guy just basically said, your question's dumb. It's irrelevant. <clears throat> they say my upper lip disappears when I get angry, you know? And so I just, to be honest with you, I had to just delete the post because I was about to go off like a Tasmanian bottle rocket. I was about to question their sister's virtue. It's going to get ugly, you know? 
Don't bring mama into this, right? You're an idiot. I don't, I wasn't asking your, okay, better delete that, right? Because <laughs> you can go to my profile, see I'm a pastor, right? Listen, big principle. Every decision you make is wrong to someone. If you're a Cub Scout leader, you're going to make a decision that's going to be wrong for someone. You're coaching four-year-old T-ball, <laughs> you're going to make a decision that's wrong to someone. If you're a teacher, coach, nurse, you pick your profession. You own your own business. You are going to deal with criticism. Nehemiah chapter 4, and then and again in Nehemiah chapter 6, which we'll deal with in a couple of weeks, Nehemiah has to deal with criticism. And ironically, he has a pretty good social solution for you and I if we would, we would take kind of a play from his playbook. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, we'll put it up on the screen for you. Samballot. I kind of like to envision maybe he's French. Samballet. <laughs> Sorry. No wonder I'm an amateur, right? Was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends, the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? They think they can rebuild this wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from this rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. So you got these two armchair quarterbacks just yapping it up. Yap, 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 yap. But it did cause me to pause, do a little self-evaluation. I can. We can all be tempted to give into and step into criticism. The first thing I want to look at this morning is, like, what causes me to be critical? What causes us to give in to that temptation and engage in critical conversation or, yeah, 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 for ourselves? And the first answer is pretty obvious. You take a note, you can write this down. It's arrogance. Oh, I could do so much better. If I was doing that, I would do blah, blah, blah. Homeboy, you ain't doing it, so just sit down and be quiet, right? When I have this unchecked pride and unchecked arrogance in my own life, even old Pastor Brent, I can catch myself getting critical. Oh, I can do better. Can you believe they did that? That is so dumb. Then there's another cause, and I think that's what's going on in this story. It's jealousy. See, you guys are getting to rebuild the wall in your capital, in your hometown. I don't even get to go home. Tobiah doesn't even get to go back to where he's from. Sam Ballard didn't even living where he's from. So there's just some jealous. I'm going to tear you down to make myself look better. It's not arrogance, it's envy that causes us sometimes to be critical. If I put that family photo back up just a second, I mean, oh yeah, well sure, you have a cute puppy, heart that out of, no, I'm not going to heart that, I'm just going to give it a thumbs up, you know what I'm saying, right? But you don't have masks on. You're not even social distancing. We have to tear people down to make ourselves feel better. It's just the root of envy. It's just jealousy. And then there's this other cause, and it's sin. It's when, when sin goes unchecked, when we find ourselves not in a very spiritual place. I can, this, is, this is probably when I'm most vulnerable. 
to be critical. I can slip into a place where spiritually I'm not all that I should be. Emotionally I get tired. Physically I get tired. I let that sinful flesh get bigger than it should be. And for me, it's just kind of unchecked sin. It can be jealousy. It can be arrogance. It can be other things that cause us to be critical. But if I have a cause, there's also an effect. There's effects of criticism. What does criticism do to me? The first one is it's a stop tactic. I think criticism at its core, at its original intent, it's a stop tactic. When someone is critical of me, when someone's critical of us, their end game is to get you to quit. That's what's going on in Nehemiah chapter 4. These guys are criticizing Nehemiah and the works that are being done in hopes to get them to stop. When someone's criticizing you, they would celebrate if you just quit. Saw this there on social media. Why, why would I listen to criticism from someone I wouldn't even take coaching from? Criticism also creates a toxic culture. Where's all my OU people at this morning? You better represent. You guys, yeah. Woo! You beat up Watts High School last night. Good job. Awesome. My OU people, you love some Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah. Where's my Baker fans? Uh huh. Yeah, there they are. Y'all remember when Baker was playing and Baker to Browns became a thing on social media? Media? Yeah. I started that. <laughs> That's my thing. I thought they deserved each other, right? So, for those of you that aren't football fans or NFL fans, so. In the NFL, whenever they get ready to pull or draft these kids out of college, they kind of have this pick. Everybody kind of gets to pick the guy they want. The worst team in the NFL gets the first pick because they need all the help they can get. So congratulations to Baker Mayfield for being first pick. Woo! But he got the Browns. Like I, that, I mean, there was so much sweet justice in that for me as an OSU fan. You know what I'm saying? The reason why the Browns are the worst team in the NFL, and I read an article on this several months ago, talked about their culture was just toxic. The locker room was, was just toxic. They tried and tried. They'd gotten rid of some players. They'd gotten rid of some coaches. They'd tried a new GM. The system was just toxic, and it was too systematic for them to overcome. This criticism creates a toxic culture. And then criticism just becomes contagious. Contagious. Like once you start down that slope, it just takes a lot to correct the course. Even in this story, this critical spirit that Sam Ballot and Tobiah have, it becomes contagious. You're, you're going to see that. Those guys aren't Jews, but you're going to see it filtrate into the people who are actually working on the wall. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10. Then the people of Judah... These guys are Jews. Sambal and Tobiah, Nehemiah is very specific. These guys are not Jewish. This is not their home. This is not their place. But then here he comes in verse 10. Then the people of Judah, they're working on their city. They're working on their capital city of Jerusalem. Then they began to complain. Criticism becomes contagious. The workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved. And you ever notice how criticism just goes to the impossible? We will never... Get this done. We'll never build this wall by ourselves. Now not only the hecklers and the armchair quarterbacks are complaining, but it's the people of Israel. It's the people of Judah are complaining as well. So before you plant that seed of criticism, you need to think about its long-term effects. Because one of those long-term effects is it can be divisive. 
Critical cultures just keep everyone at odds. I don't know who to trust. I don't know who's talking about who. I don't know if you're complaining about me. It's just hard to work together for a common good in a toxic culture. And then there's just discouragement. Ultimately, it just gets hard. Not only am I dealing with rubble, not only am I dealing with a big construction problem, now I'm dealing with hecklers, but I'm also dealing with people on my side. They're supposed to be helping me. They're supposed to be cheering for me. And now all they're doing is just complaining. Criticism leads to discouragement. That's why Paul, when he's writing to one of his disciples, a young man by the name of Timothy, he says, listen, Timothy, whether you agree with leaders or not, whether you agree with your city council or your mayor or your governor or your president or your pastor or your superintendent or your principal, your boss, whoever that is that's an authority, he says this, pray for kings. He doesn't say, if you agree with them, pray for them. He says, pray for everyone who's in authority. So pray that we can live peaceful and quiet lives and, and pray that we will be godly and holy. Leaders carry a lot. And as a church, the best thing we can do is pray for them. I, I'm just fully convinced that leaders make best decisions. Leaders make better decisions when they aren't stressed out, when they're kind of free from this fear of criticism. They can stay focused on the decision, not disgruntled critics. So pray for them. As the church, that's our role. Not whether you agree with them, like their politics, don't like. Our role, if someone's in authority, we are to pray for them. There's also this, there's one last effect of criticism. All the others are kind of negative. This, this can actually be a positive thing. There's one more positive effect of criticism, that it can be a positive motivator. It can get people to rally together. We use this term, bulletin board material. Anybody remember, some of you are too young, you won't, you won't remember this because you weren't born yet. Anybody remember when the Dallas Cowboys were actually good? Like the 90s, remember when that was a thing, right? <laughs> Like they actually went to the Super Bowl. You're going to want to sit down for this one too. They actually won a couple Super Bowls. I know. Some of you are like, what? There was a guy named Bruce Mays who was the director of team operations. And he would subscribe to newspapers from those rival cities like Atlanta and Washington. He didn't have to deal with Philadelphia. They weren't really a rival at the time. right? And he was, oh, sorry. He was always looking for clips for some sports writer or some coach to be quoted that was critical of the Cowboys. And then he would cut those articles out, he would hang them on the bulletin board, and he would lie highlight those quotes that the team might find offensive. And he would use it to motivate the Cowboys. Now, I'm not saying that's why they won so much. I mean, they had Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Michael Irving, right? I am saying maybe this season they could use some quotes, and I'm a Cowboy fan too. It's just it's hard on all of us, right? Okay. Criticism can cause people to rally together, work harder, unite for a common good. And that's exactly what's going to happen in Nehemiah chapter 4. This series is called Social Solutions. God wants you and I, God wants His church, God wants His people to be a social solution in the toxic culture that we live in. Nehemiah is facing a critical culture. He's facing a toxic culture. He's dealing with armchair quarterbacks. Criticism isn't new. Social media, that's not what's created criticism. Yeah, it's given everybody a mouthpiece, but th this isn't new. And Nehemiah's response, it's a great social solution for you and I. Verse 3. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, the stones would collapse if even a fox walked along on top of it. Verse 4. Then I... 
prayed. I don't even really need to read the verse, rest of verse 4. You get the first response. These guys are over here yakking it up. Yeah, yeah, if I was building that wall, yeah, yeah, fox would, yeah, yeah. Then I just prayed. Hear us, our God, for we're being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. God, just get them. Strike them with lightning. I mean, that might be a little exaggerated. May they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Nehemiah's first response was prayer. God, just get them. May the bird of paradise fly up their nose. An elephant crush them with their toes. You know what I'm saying? May the flies of a thousand camels hit their armpits. I don't know. Just do something. And down through the years of my life, um, I could have saved myself a, a lot of embarrassment if I would have used this pray first mantra when I was criticized, when I was attacked or whatever, if, if I would have just kind of paused and prayed instead of arguing, instead of getting mad, instead of overreacting, I could have saved myself a lot of stress. I could have saved myself a lot of embarrassment. Honestly, I think I could have been a lot more productive because a critic can hijack your productivity. Proverbs, it's a book of wisdom found in the Old Testament, written by a guy named King Solomon that had supernatural wisdom. He prayed for it and God said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just give you just some supernatural wisdom to lead the people of Israel. So if you just need wisdom, there's a lot of great stuff found in the book of Proverbs. One of them is, listen, don't argue with fools. When a fool starts yapping, don't, don't play their game. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you will become foolish like they are. I've done that. I've engaged with the critic and then I engaged with the fool and looked like a fool myself. 29.11, a fool vents all his feelings. But a wise man holds them back. I've done that too. I've, I've written emails I should have never sent. When you look at this whole book and this story, Nehemiah must have been a prayer warrior. In chapter 1, when he hears of the disaster that's going on in Jerusalem, first thing he does is praise. When he goes to the king and asks for help, he prays. Now he's being criticized. He prays. Prayer should be our first response not our last resort. Mike Burns, thank you for being here. It's 21 days of prayer for us. Just a time for us together as a church. We know there's a fall coming. We know there's a harvest coming. We know there's a Christmas coming. God, if you could, please heal our land. God, we know we're in a political year. God, if you could, just please heal our land. God, we would love to see hundreds, if not thousands of people saved through the ministries of Hillspring Church. We always take time at the beginning of the year and the beginning of the harvest to just stop, pause, and pray. Let prayer be a first response, not a last resort. God, this guy's over here yapping about, would you, would you protect my heart? Because I know what happens if I become angry and become bitter and that bitterness settles in my heart and turns into resentment. God, would you protect me? Would you protect my heart? Lord, I know I'm not perfect. I get that. I know I've made mistakes. I know I've overreacted. So God, would you reveal that to me? The psalmist in Psalm 129, 24 says, God, would you point out anything in me that offends you? Lord, would your Holy Spirit show me where I need to correct? God, would you use some of your people to hold me accountable? But Lord, please protect me from the critics. Get them! <laughs> May the bird of paradise fly up their nose, right? And so Nehemiah prayed first. And if we would apply that to a lot of things, I think it would help. Watch this in verse 14. Got this Sanballat and Tobiah being critical. You got the people from Judah, they're griping now. And Nehemiah, this is a heavy day. 
Verse 14, he's just kind of feeling the weight of all that criticism. He says, then, as I looked over the situation, I had called a meeting. <laughs> he said, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. He's great and glorious. We may not be, but He is. And fight for your brothers, for your sons, for your daughters, for your wives, and for your homes. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to work on the wall. Listen, the critics might have stopped you for a day, but they're not going to stop your destiny. But from then on, only half of the men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah. Second thing Nehemiah did that was a social solution was he got around the right people. You got to get around the right people. You got the nobles in the room, you got the leaders in the room, he got the people who were focused on the mission instead of looking for mistakes. He started looking for some people who would help him create a solution instead of criticize the construction. Who are you running with? You working with the right people? Are you surrounded by the right people? Nehemiah got some people to watch his back. He has workers there on the front line. And he's got people standing right behind them, guarding their back. The imagery of this is beautiful. The imagery of what happens in Nehemiah chapter 4 is exactly what you and I need in our life. We need some of the right people in our life to guard our back. I want you to stop and think about this for, for just a second. That person that likes to call you, or catch you, or corner you, and they like to complain about other people. Let's be real for a second. Sometimes we listen because we like to complain about those same people. Those same people that call you to complain to you are calling other people to complain about you. Nehemiah's response. Listen, you need to get some of the right people in your life. And today, we're trying to help you take a step to do just that. All around this room, it's a little bit different. There's tables, there's signs hanging on the wall because today... It's kind of our small group rally. We're launching our small groups. And, and, and this is it. This is, this is the thing. We want some right people in your circle and in your life. And COVID has changed a lot of things. Normally this time of year, without COVID, we'd have about 43, 45 small groups. Because of COVID, and we understand there's concerns about that, we only have about 25. But we're just praying, God, it's enough. And there's some of you like, whoo. Buddy, I don't, I don't know, man, like coming to church is risky, but it's church. And I'm all prayed up. And, but, but like, hey, we're not, I totally, totally understand that. I totally understand that. But if you're ready, today's the day. I'm going to invite you, just go shopping for a small group. After you can kind of, we've, we got all different kinds of small groups. We've got small groups that are like interest small groups. There is a small group of people that run and nothing's chasing them. I don't understand that. Can you get that? I don't, like on purpose. We have a baking small group. That I understand. God, may your anointing fall on that and may the preacher be blessed out of this deal. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we have small groups that study the Bible. We have a small group that is just for brand new people. Like, you've been coming to Hillspring the last six months and because of COVID, we had, man, that's the small group. Once you encourage, just take that step. Our goal is to get you in a circle with people that are just like you. And here's the deal. Don't just go once. It's going to be weird. Don't know. Oh, that was, don't, don't. Give me four shots. 
And this is what's going to happen. The first time you're going to go in, I'm not asking you to go in and just spill your guts and, well, how's things for you? Well, it all started in 74. <laughs> whoa, 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 that's weird. Let's not go there just yet. Give Jesus a little time, okay? Let's just fake it till we make it. All right, so how are you? Oh, we're good. But what you're going to see is it may be about the third or the fourth time or the fifth time or the chemistry of this group starts to come together and sitting on the other side of the circle, there's going to be somebody there that loves OSU just like you do. It's going to be awesome. Like your soulmates, you've gone through this struggle and this trial your whole life together, right? And maybe somebody that you kind of connect with. That's what we want to do is we want to get the right people in your life. Get somebody to guard your back. Get somebody to, to help you. Nehemiah's third response was to be prepared. This toxic culture is not anything new to America. Social media didn't create this. There's always been toxic people. Moses dealt with it. David dealt with it. Nehemiah dealt with it. And you and I, we deal with it. But you've got to have a plan. I don't, I don't want you to get caught by surprise. <laughs> well, that came out of nowhere. No, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where everybody that has an Instagram or Facebook has a mouthpiece. So let's, as the church, be prepared for when the enemy attacks. Amen? Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 16, it says, The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand, supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. So I'm working with this one, but I got a sword in this one. All the builders. So some of them had work with one hand, some had a weapon in their other hand, and then all the builders at least had a sword at their side. They are building a wall and facing a physical enemy. We are building a kingdom facing a spiritual enemy. They use tools, we use resources. They use weapons, we need to use the Word of God. I want you to see the imagery that's taking place here. In the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul gets it. He knows that there is a spiritual war going on that we may not see. There is a bad guy, his name's Satan, the devil, Lucifer, Texas Longhorns. I mean, it's all in there in the same. See if you're with me. And Paul knows that there is a spiritual warfare on Christians, on the church. And he paints this beautiful picture in Ephesians chapter 6. Like, you need to be prepared. Don't be surprised. You need to be prepared for warfare. And he starts just walking through this imagery. And he says this in verse 17. He says, take the sword. That's the only offensive weapon you have. There's no slingshot. There's no bazooka. There's no Apache helicopter. In your armor, you have one offensive weapon. He says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the Bible. Lay Paul's imagery of this armor and the weapon that you have on top of Nehemiah's instructions. I'm going to work over here with one hand to build the kingdom, and I'm going to keep the Word of God in the other hand. I'm going to keep His Word close to my heart. Amen. When you're facing criticism, the best place that you can go is to the Word of God. Be prepared. Have the Word of God in you. I know that school's back in session, virtual or what. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of rebuilding, reengaging, kind of getting back into a little bit of normal rhythm of life. And so maybe it's time to get back into a normal rhythm 
of spending time with the Lord. That's why we do 21 days of prayer right in around when school starts. It takes 21 days to establish a habit. Our hope is that in this 21 days of prayer, you would make prayer a part of your daily habit so that when day 22 comes, you still have an effective, fervent prayer life in your system. And the same thing for God's Word. Man, if, if you're fighting criticism, if you're fighting a spiritual battle, but you're not daily letting God's Word feed you, you're, you know, kind of like the bully used to do this, and you know, that's kind of what you're doing. You need to get the Word of God in your hand. I'm over here, I'm going to be building the kingdom with a tool in one hand, and I'm going to have the Bible in the other to let God feed me. Criticism, critical, toxic, all that, that's going to feed your flesh. It's the Word of God that's going to build you up and feed your faith. I'm going to get a little crazy. Woo! Get a little crazy up here. What if I memorize some of that stuff too? What if I got some note cards or some sticky tabs and I memorize some verse like, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So when the critics come, God, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting, Lord, I'm asking you to renew my strength right now so I can keep fighting. I do not want to get derailed because some jackwagon over here is criticizing what you're doing in my life. Two big lessons out of Nehemiah chapter 4. Number one, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a critic that discourages what God is doing in someone's life. And God, would you forgive me in those weak and vulnerable times in my life when I have? The second lesson is, is what do we do when we face criticism? You and I have been called to be a social solution. In a message like this, it can mess with you. In a room this size, it can stir you a little bit. And there's some of us this morning that may be feeling a little bit of conviction. Ooh, I've done that. Yeah, I kind of blew up my Cub Scout leader. Oh, I probably said something the other day. And I just want to let the Holy Spirit just convict you on that for a minute. Because God has called the church to be a light. We're to be a social solution. Maybe in just kind of the stillness of this moment, you need to ask God to forgive you. God, help me change. I don't want to be that. I know that's not your best version of me. I don't want to do that. But I also know, judging from the responses of first service, there's some people in this room that you carry the weight of constantly being criticized. About two weeks ago, I just had to get vulnerable with some folks. I said, man, I just feel like I can't do anything right. I was talking to some pastors in my tribe, and I just feel like every decision I'm making right, because COVID and back to school and all this, just some other stuff that's going on. I said, man, I just don't feel like I can do anything right. And there's some of you in here, you're a boss, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you're a leader. You're just like Nehemiah. You said, God, here am I, send me. I want to use my life, my influence to do some good. And people just say it's not enough. And I want to pray for you this morning. Don't let critic derail God's calling in your life. Why would I listen to someone who's criticizing me that I wouldn't even take coaching from them? 
I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.